I want to talk about something that I've been working through a lot and uh, that's been helping me really, uh, and that is the Eightfold Path, which is the Buddhist teachings on how to diminish suffering um, and ultimately reach enlightenment. That's kind of, you know, a big topic, <laughs> but I want to dive kind of into some of the, the foundational pieces of the Eightfold Path that would be useful for anyone regardless of spiritual path, whether whatever you conceptualize that enlightenment as. There are these pieces of the path that focus on right speech and right action, uh, and I want to zoom in on those a little bit um, and discuss them because they have a lot of really powerful, useful teachings that, like I said, anyone can apply to their lives. So in, in this specific episode, I'm going to talk about right speech. Right speech is divided into a few different elements, and that is abstaining from false speech, abstaining from slanderous speech, abstaining from harsh speech, and abstaining from idle chatter. One thing to note is that when Buddhism is discussing abstaining, there's this concept of renunciation. And what's interesting about renunciation versus the kind of struggle of like cutting something out and, and being and being like, this is a negative thing and I cannot have it because I say so, you know, um, that's how we conceptualize abstaining from things. But renunciation is all about understanding the suffering that a action, thought, or perception brings to your life, others' lives, and your life. What I mean by that is, you know, something might cause suffering directly in your own life, and that suffering can range from just this slight feeling of things not being quite right to suffering as we may conceptualize it in the West as, you know, the gut-wrenching, horrible feeling that can come from extreme suffering. The suffering that you cause to others obviously is not ideal in a healthy society and towards those you love, but also towards anyone. And the interesting thing is when you really investigate the suffering you cause to others, there's a certain amount of guilt and regret that comes along with that. Even people that you may think they deserve the suffering that you cause them, there's still an amount of guilt and suffering that comes along with that, at least in my inspection. And so therefore the suffering kind of goes full circle. <laughs> Something can be cause suffering directly to you, which then if you're suffering, you're more likely to cause suffering in others. And then that suffering in others causes more suffering in your experience. And obviously there's things outside of your direct experience that perpetuate this as well. If, if you are suffering, you're more likely to cause suffering in someone else. And if you cause suffering in someone else, they are therefore suffering and they may and probably will cause suffering in 
yet again someone else. And it takes someone breaking that chain. I've talked about that before on this podcast, the kind of secular version of the idea of karma that hurt people hurt people. That cycle needs to be stopped. And it's that moment where something comes into your awareness and you have the opportunity to react or respond and you of your own volition choose not to respond in a way that would cause more harm and more suffering but instead choose the wise path the more wholesome response and by doing so you end that cycle of karma that cycle of suffering and potentially begin a a virtuous cycle of karma so in this specific instance we're going to dive into these concepts of right speech right speech just being the the speech that aligns with the path the speech that aligns with causing less suffering in yourself and in others and so when we talk about abstaining think about it in the terms of that renunciation where it's not about abstaining because someone says don't do this this is bad but it's investigate for yourself when you create false speech what does that do to yourself uh, it might be subtle at first. You know, we've all lied. We've all said things that are untrue. And, you know, false speech is worded the way that it is, not because it's meant to specifically focus on intentional lying. That's obviously the most egregious version of it. But there's also untruths where you say something that you know is not true and, and it just seems like a little thing to, you know, spice up a story, make it better or or maybe you say you know something that you don't know. All of those things are, are, are technically false speech, and all of them, if you investigate them, um, as I have, and you know, I, I say this, if you inviting you to investigate this for yourself, and if you find this not to be true, then you know, that's your own finding. Uh, but thousands and thousands and, and millions of people have investigated this with these teachings and, and found this to be in alignment with the truth. Uh, I want to read a little passage here by how the Buddha describes uh, abstaining from false speech. Herein, someone avoids false speech and abstains from it. He speaks the truth, is devoted to the truth, reliable, worthy of confidence, not a deceiver of people. Being at a meeting or among people or in the midst of his relatives or in society or in the king's court and called upon and asked as witness to tell what he knows, he answers if he knows nothing, I know nothing. And if he knows, he answers, I know. And if he has seen nothing, he answers, I have seen nothing. And if he has seen, he answers, I have seen. Thus, he never knowingly speaks a lie, either for the sake of his own advantage, or for the sake of another person's advantage, or for the sake of any advantage whatsoever. So the negative side of this is obviously abstaining from 
lying. And with any of the precepts, uh, the precepts being these moral guidances that are less of a, these are rules because we say they're rules, and more of, if you investigate these, these moral guidances will lead to a more fulfilling, more calm and peaceful mind and life and not cause as much suffering in your life and others. But so this precept of speaking the truth, the uh, opposite of the abstaining from false speech is to speak the truth. So there, it's not as easy as just don't speak because there are times where it is important that you do speak and it is important and wise to speak. It's easy not to speak, but to speak and speak the truth and speak wisely as we'll go into some of these other aspects of right speech beyond just the truth. That is very uh, important. And it's interesting. I want to just, you know, share a personal note here that this is something that I've been working on for years now, and I probably will continue to work on this for a lifetime. Um, and it, it certainly gets easier. Um, but I still catch myself telling a little lie here or there, just adding a detail to a story that is I know to be untrue. I don't even know why I say it when I say it. Um, and, and we all do this, I, I imagine. Uh, and they're usually now, you know, maybe at, at a time I would tell lies that were more hurtful or, or to protect myself or something. And I think I do a pretty good job of not doing that, um, from speaking the truth, um, and being more confident in speaking the truth when it's uncomfortable to speak the truth. However, I still have a lot of those moments where I feel like I should speak up and I, I don't, I can't muster the courage. Or on the other hand, my speech gets away from me. I'm no longer mindful and conscious of the words that are coming out of my mouth. I kind of get carried away. And I think anybody that's like quite a talker like I am has experienced this where you'll realize you've been talking for two, three minutes or 30 minutes and you wonder, what was it that I just said? <laughs> I don't remember any of it. So to be that unconscious is obviously unwise because you could say anything in that time and you wouldn't even know if it's true because you don't even realize necessarily what it is that you're saying. But when I do catch myself being precise with my speech and thinking ahead as I'm speaking, that is when my mind feels clear of guilt. It feels calm and at peace. I feel confident because the things I am saying I know to be true, at least in my own experience. And I am saying the things that I think are important to be said that I know to be true. And I am being quiet when I think it's appropriate to be quiet, which is hard for me to do, <laughs> to be honest. But I challenge myself sometimes to go a period of time without talking about myself. I'll still have conversation and respond to a question or something, but I won't use the word I, or I will give myself a challenge to only ask questions um, or sometimes to not speak at all. And those are, you know, 
not necessary to live your entire life by, I don't think, but they can be important tools to help you become conscious of the way that you're speaking and, and the way that your speech affects yourself and affects others. It's sort of like the complaining fast that I talked about really early on in this podcast. You can go back and find that episode. It's really a strong practice that everybody should should try. That concept of kind of just breaking a habit of the mind is really powerful and makes it possible to become conscious of the things that we're doing um, and even meta-conscious uh, where you are aware of consciousness itself and the way that different actions and speech and thoughts and perceptions and feelings all tint and flavor consciousness itself, the experience of, of being consciousness itself. So there's the concept of, of right speech, so truth, which I challenge you to really try to meditate on or, or think on how often is it that you're telling a lie. And, and it's not to make you feel guilty about that. We all do it, which is why this is a precept. <laughs> it's common, um, and it's part of human nature, um, it seems. But just to become conscious of when you are speaking untruly um, and when maybe there's opportunities to speak the truth and you're not doing so, and to challenge yourself to, in little small ways to begin with, speak the truth more often and be conscious of when you are, when you say something that's a lie or an untruth. This seems like such a simple lesson, but trust me, it's, it, it becomes quite powerful when you really start to investigate it and spend some time with it. Um, the next one that I want to talk about is abstaining from slanderous speech. And I want to read again, um, a quote here from one of Buddha's discourses. These are translated by Bhikkhu Bodhi, who's an incredible uh, writer about Buddhism um, and translator, if you ever want to read more on these topics. He says, he avoids slanderous speech and abstains from it. What he has heard here, he does not repeat there, so as to cause dissension there. What he has heard there, he does not repeat here, so that he does not cause dissension here. Thus he unites those who are divided, and those that are united he encourages. Concord gladdens him. He delights and rejoices in concord, and it is concord that he spreads by his word. The idea here is that slanderous speech is speech that drives people apart. We've all probably done this. We've all definitely heard other people doing this where, you know, people might call this gossip, right? Where, oh, he's bad at this thing or, uh, you know, he's not as funny as he thinks he is or I don't know. I'm not very good at speaking badly about people, to be honest, but uh, I've done it for sure. Um, and I've actually been working on this specific piece of this precept recently and, and noticed how often other people will really take a negative 
slant in a conversation when talking about somebody. And especially if there's a large group of people, it's like this, it's this like insidious thing that just feeds on itself where one negative comment breeds another, breeds another, breeds another. And somebody might try to get it back on track to some positive spin. Um, but it takes quite a bit of energy to redirect that negative energy and, and the momentum of the conversation and the way that this causes suffering is that it causes disharmony. It causes division between people. And people sometimes think, hey, this is harsh. Uh, if this person was there, I would still say it. But we'll get to that because harsh speech is another uh, piece of, of right speech. If the purpose of the language is not to promote harmony to promote friendship between others then it's not wise speech um, and in this case it's it's slanderous speech slanderous speech especially when done maliciously creates a lot of harm and it creates suffering in oneself too because it it creates this moral degradation where you lose your respect for others and you lose your ability to see the good in people which is important for maintaining your own sense of of well-being and kindness to self when you can't be kind to others you will likely not be kind to yourself as well and it becomes harder to be kind to even those that are close to you that you already love and and would like to be kind to the ultimate challenge is obviously being kind to those that seem like they do not deserve it um but that's another thing that's that's meta that's loving kindness there's also another talk on that about compassion and, and meta there's a episode where i i do a, a, med a meditation a guided meditation on that so if you want to check that out you can the idea here is that when we are conscious of our speech our speech in order to create this harmony that that is the opposite of of suffering in relationship every word and every time we talk about somebody we should be doing so in a way that creates friendship or in harmony and if we do not have something to say i mean it's the oldest quote right uh if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all uh this is not to say that you can't have constructive feedback to somebody. But again, that's something that you should probably tell the person that you're talking about, not talk about them. Um, and this is a good point to bring up that we are all going to fail at doing these things at times, and many, many, many times. The thing to do when you find yourself in the middle of talking badly about somebody, spreading a rumor, or uh, even if it's true, you know, speaking badly about someone to somebody else or in a group of people in a way that embarrasses them, even if it's meant to be a joke, it can still be harmful. Um, and when you notice yourself doing it, if you can, in the middle of it, just stop. <laughs> and maybe redirect it to something more positive 
Um, and if you notice later that, oh, I was, you know, speaking poorly about this person, or I allowed this conversation with other people to go in that direction, and I didn't speak up and try to change the direction of the conversation. Uh, there's no purpose to feeling regret and guilt for too long. It's it's an okay thing to feel temporarily to notice, oh yeah, next time I want to do better when that comes up. And then that's it. Let it go. Next time when it comes up, try to do better. And if you don't, notice that and say, okay, A, next time I want to do better again. <laughs> and B, what is there something that I could do that would make it easier for me to make a better decision in the future. That's something that I, I specifically take from Stoicism is this idea of, okay, if I did not live up to my highest self in the past day or in my previous actions, not to feel guilt about that, but how in the future when a similar circumstance arises, because it probably will, how am I going to react differently, specifically? In the case of when I hear others speaking poorly about another, I want to give myself a call to action to speak up and say something positive about them maybe, see if I can just nudge the conversation in the right direction, um, or maybe stand up for them, but in a way that doesn't cause additional harm. And, you know, go down that rabbit hole a little bit of, how can I do that? But then let it go. It's not helpful to sit and kind of ruminate on that for too long. But just having a preparation to, okay, when this comes up again, I'll pause. That's like the best thing to do with all of these precepts is when it comes up, can I give myself space to be more thoughtful and be more mindful? Can I take a breath before I say something? Maybe allow people to talk without jumping in. If I find myself saying something badly about somebody, can I just stop? Moving on from that, I want to go on to harsh speech and idle chatter. And I, I don't want to take too long on these, but harsh speech is the opposite of speaking gentle, soothing to the ear, loving, such words as go to the heart and are courteous, friendly, and agreeable to many. There's, there's different pieces of this. There's like aggressive speech, right? We all know that when you're angry and you're just yelling. And that obviously is, is not a wise use of your, your speech. Again, if, if it happens to all of us, we get angry and we say things we wish we wouldn't have said. And that's okay. Just don't, just again, kind of prepare next time. When I get angry, can I remove myself from the situation so that I don't say something that I don't want to say? Can I take some deep breaths and find a way to work with my anger that will not cause suffering? So maybe not speaking. Um, insults kind of go hand in hand with that, and it's very close to the slanderous speech. Uh, and then sarcasm is also a piece of this. Um, something that I've, I was at first a little hesitant when I read about this, and I was I like to be sarcastic personally, and I, I kind of always attached myself to that sense of humor. But what I've realized is that it really is mean-spirited a lot of the time. And even if it's with 
a close friend and it seems like, oh, it's okay to be mean-spirited and it's because they know I'm kidding. I don't like the feeling that that gives me. It doesn't feel wholesome. It doesn't feel like it's necessary, really, to get a cheap laugh. <laughs> uh, you know, to, there's a sense of trying to, sarcasm feels smart, right? It's a, it seems like a smart type of humor, an intelligent type of humor. So using it makes me feel smart. And it's a harmful thing, at least in my experience. And when I have other people say sarcastic things about me or to me, I notice the way that that makes me feel. It pretty much never feels good. It may be forgivable because it's a close friend and it's like, haha, that's that's funny. But there's definitely a part of me that's like, that hurts. <laughs> and I may know that you're kidding, but there's still some amount of truth there that, that must be why it's funny um, or why it felt like it should be said. So there's some nuance there to what harsh speech could be. And harsh speech could just be speaking aggressively with an aggressive tone. I've noticed some people are just very kind of loud and abrasive when they speak. And it's not necessarily that they're being mean or saying anything bad or harmful, but their speech it has an energy to it that is abrasive and makes you not want to communicate with them. And then I imagine from their perspective, they must feel that. They must feel that people don't want to communicate with them. And if they were able to be more mindful of the way they speak and calm down a little bit when they speak, perhaps people would enjoy communicating with them more. Personally, I have a version of my own speech that's very excited and it is aggressive in its own way. It, it has a tendency to speak over other people and kind of dominate a conversation. It isn't the traditional aggressive type of speech, but in my mind, it, it is the same thing. It doesn't make me feel good to indulge in that kind of speech. The final is idle chatter. And the idea here is that I think it's it's kind of that space that I was talking about where you get into that talking without being conscious of what you're saying. That's what I hear when I read this. Um, and I'll read the, the discourse piece here real quick. He avoids idle chatter and abstains from it. He speaks at the right time in accordance with facts, speaks what is useful, speaks of the Dharma, the truth, and the discipline. His speech is like a treasure, uttered at the right moment, accompanied by reason, and moderate and full of sense. I struggle with this one because I like to talk, and I think in our modern world, there are more reasons to be polite and have conversation that maybe is not quite so meaningful, but even the more I investigate that, the more I realize that may not be true because a moment of idle chatter with a stranger or with a coworker, maybe that could be purposeful. It could be speaking the facts. You know, if you're at, at work, there may be times where it's appropriate to speak a lot, but you can focus on speaking what you know to be true and your ideas that are important for the job. Uh, but there, there are times that I think in the modern society where idle chatter is a little bit more appropriate, specifically kind of with strangers or, or just times we're building rapport 
with others is important. So as long as that chatter is kind, you can be somewhat conscious of it. Maybe that's okay. But that's one of those ones that I haven't, I've just started really investigating over the last year or so. So I can't take, give you the complete, you know, take away from it. But it's something to investigate as well. Um, and figure out what that means for you. What does idle chatter mean? And what is, you know, the opposite of what the Buddha describes here, which is speaking at the right time in accordance with facts, speaking what is useful, speech being like a treasure, uttered at the right moment, accompanied by reason, moderate, and full of sense. So I think really that's mostly about being thoughtful before you speak, thinking what you will say and then saying it, rather than just kind of getting ahead of yourself with that speech. So those are the, the pieces of right speech that I wanted to talk about. I think that they are, it's a valuable precept to, to really latch on to and practice with. I find it useful to write down somewhere very visible to me on the front of a journal, or I'll even use a pen on, on my hand, the precept that I'm currently practicing with, so that throughout my day, I can look down at my hand and go, oh, right speech, or oh, truth, I might put instead of false speech, or you know, moderation instead of idle chatter, something like that to, to have an opportunity to practice with it and see how in everyday life, especially, you know, <laughs> right speech is one of those things that in insight meditation, sitting on a cushion, you're not going to get a lot of practice with because you're not talking. You are speaking sometimes in your, in your mind and speaking to yourself. And a lot of these principles still apply there, but the real challenge comes whenever you are out in the world speaking mm -hmm. When you're recording something like this and speaking, when you're talking to someone else, when you're texting or commenting on Facebook, those are all opportunities to really practice this right speech uh, and investigate how does it affect the suffering in your life um, or the, the opposite of suffering? Do you know, does it cause a lightness? Does it cause a sense of peace whenever you speak only the truth or when you're more moderate with your speech and if so uh, there will be a natural inclination to follow that path more <laughs> uh, which just seems to be the case the more I you know practice these precepts the more that I want to live by these precepts not because someone told me that I had to but because wow they seem to really add a lot of space and peace in my life and make me a more respectable person to interact with and not out of a place of ego, but out of a place of wanting to be of value to others, wanting to be of service. So I thank you for listening to me speak for <laughs> however long this ends up being 30 minutes, probably. Hopefully some of you enjoy it and find value in this. And if you're interested in more about the Eightfold Path, there's a really good book um, which is what I was reading out of at um, as I was quoting some of these. It's just simply called The Noble Eightfold Path, Way to the End of Suffering by Bhikkhu Bodhi. I read a lot of different books on Buddhism, but this is honestly, it's so small, uh, but it's so dense, packed, full of wisdom. And the, the important part is not to just read it, but to read it and really investigate how is this true in life. And there are parts where I read something and I go, this doesn't feel true to me. And then I go, 
live some more and usually come back to the book and go, oh yeah, (laughs) I just didn't understand what I was reading or didn't have enough context with the rest of the path to really get the nuances to each piece. So that's right speech. Thank you for listening. And remember that I'm happy you're here. I'm happy you're capable of being here listening. So stick around. I love you. Have a great day. Goodbye.